Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to a Sunday saunter. I'd just like to show you my, if you're watching on Facebook Live, my Ho ho ho, it's o o o in reverse. <laughs> My ho 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 saunter mug for Christmas. Thanks, Anna. And there's a little bit of coffee in there, just perfectly brewed. So I have a little sip just to get us going. Good morning, Johnny. Hey, good to see you guys. Good morning, Alison. It's a very grey, somewhat mild, misly day here in Weymouth, but the Lord is good and he's got loads to say to us this morning so let's press in holy spirit we love you we thank you that you want to speak to us today we thank you that you have so much to say to us and so we welcome you and thank you for your incredible love amen the dog has come in because she needs to hear the word of the lord she really does so we're in Genesis chapter 30 today, and I have to say this is an incredible chapter. It's really big on the prosperity gospel for those who want to get contentious. It's got so much about prosperity and blessing in it. It's not a great book if you're looking for a good example of marriage and <laughs> how to conduct your domestic affairs well. It's actually a bit of a mess um, and quite a tragic situation but nonetheless, we see God's hand amazingly at work. And it's just such a, ah, oh, it's got so many lessons in it for us today. And I hope we can pick through the stuff that gets our 21st century Western minds get going all into spasms because it upsets us. Good morning, Sarah and Fran. Great to see you. So um, remember Leah, the girl Jacob didn't particularly love, and the Bible says he hated her, and we can maybe surmise that he didn't have tender feelings towards her like he did to um, Rachel. He, they, he was married to her by a scheme, and Chris Milner put it beautifully in the comments. He said, Jacob was such a twisty guy that God dealt with him in a twisty way, and he absolutely did. God out-schemed out Jacob by a million miles. Anyway, he ends up she, bless her, she conceives and gives birth to four sons and thinks this is going to get me favour. In the end, she's like, well, whatever, I'm going to praise God. And so she calls her fourth son Judah and he becomes the line and the lion of Judah. He becomes the line that leads to Jesus um, genetically. So this is really important. His name means praise or strength. And so we're now in chapter 30 verse 1 it says when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob that's 
She bore Jacob no children. She envied her sister. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. <laughs> Great. No pressure, Jacob. Um, actually, <laughs> there is a kind of pressure that can come on a guy to father children that makes him not actually able to do his job. <laughs> Surprisingly, it is true. And this is that kind of pressure. And he's furious. He's like saying, you know, I'm not God. And this is listen to what he says. He says, verse two, Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And, and he said, am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Oh my, this is turbocharged kind of marriage stress kind of stuff. Any man who says that to his wife is likely to get a black eye or something. He's, he's going to be in so much trouble for saying that kind of thing. It's not my fault. Why are you putting me in the place of God? It's God who's closed your womb. And he's, he's like, <laughs> I kill you. And uh, anyway, so this is not a good, nice, settled family environment. This is not a home life that demonstrates the kingdom of heaven as we would like it demonstrated. So Rachel is envious of Leah. She's cross. She's disappointed with God. She's blaming Jacob. Jacob is getting his hackles up and retaliating and saying, it's not my fault. He's busy sleeping with her sister and she's producing. And oh my, can you imagine it? The tension in the home and all the kind of venomous whispers that were being uttered in the different parts of the household. Anyway, so then she said, here is my servant Bilha, go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf. Now, at this point, someone should have said, this is going to end badly because my granddad did this and got Ishmael. And we know that that is a problem because we know it is because it's not great with. Yeah, anyway, but instead of that, oh, here we go. Here is my servant Bilha. Go into her that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. This is complicated and the language is complicated. It implies that she will be, because she's owned by Rachel, the child born to her from Jacob will become Rachel's child because technically she owns the servant, she owns her children. It's just kind of more chattel and property. And yet there's also this sense here where she says, I may have children through her or I may be strengthened through her. And it's like a sort of implying that somehow her being fruitful on my behalf will perhaps kickstart my womb into producing. And it's a whole mixed bag of uh, kind of folk beliefs and all sorts of other things thrown in there. But it's very much this kind of, let's just get this done. Let's just get a child to me somehow, even though we've got history telling us it's a bad idea, we're going to just, just in the moment of upset and high emotions, we're going to tune all of the lessons of history out and go with our, our raw emotions and what our raw emotions are telling us. And so she's not being wise. Jacob clearly isn't wise. Uh, however, he, so verse four says, so she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife 
And Jacob went into her, so that means he slept with her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. And then Rachel said, God has judged me, and he's also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan, which means judge. So uh, so Dan comes along now. He is not a great situation, but Rachel's somehow trying to justify what she's done and to make it OK in her own mind. It's called cognitive dissonance, and she's trying to sort her own head out about it and come to a place of, oh, I did the right thing, even though it's the wrong thing. You know, it's like, oh, oh horrible. Anyway, so Rachel's, so the, the idea there that um, Bilhah was conceiving on her behalf, and there's a whole host of possible ways that might have happened. There is some some evidence to suggest that maybe the actual wife was in the tent or in the bedroom as the husband slept with the servant or, you know, is he, ugh, the mind just boggles. Anyway, Bilha somehow, bless her, is kind of pulled into this situation. I guess she didn't have much choice in the matter. It It's the issue of consent. All of those things has way gone out of the window a long time ago. And this is just the whole situation sexually and morally in that family is a long way away from what we understand to be good New Testament ethics. And so, uh, anyway, so she called him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again, so it wasn't just a one-night stand. She was now one of his concubines, or so it would seem. And he went with her again, and she conceived and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So this is all about a sibling rivalry between sisters. And it's like handbags at three o'clock. It's like, oh, my word, this is bad. This is nasty. She's contending. She's wrestling. She's trying to get... Uh, even though Jacob loves her, that's not enough. She wants to outperform her sister in producing children, or at least keep up. And so, oh gosh. And when Leah saw that, so she called his name Naphtali, which means wrestling. And when Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, so Leah herself had stopped, although it would seem that Jacob was still kind of tending to her in that way. Um, and it, it, she had ceased bearing children. She took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Now, he said, they were actually saying as a wife. So it's like Jacob's now got four wives. Oh, dear. That's a lot of wives. Um, and Jacob's doing a lot of um, sex, isn't he? So, and gosh. Anyway, so she took her servant Zilpah. And gave her to Jacob as a wife. We incidentally we don't hear Jacob complaining. Tragically, uh, dear, I think maybe he was kind of being pushed around quite a bit. But I don't I don't know how much he objected to having lots of women to sleep with. Anyway, so here we go. So she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son, and Leah said. Good fortune has come. <laughs> so she called his name Gad, which probably means good fortune. I can't, the writing's too small. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for women 
have called me happy. So she called his name Asher, which I would imagine means happy. So is, oh my goodness me. So Leah's servant is now one of his wives and they're, so she's been kind of welcomed to Jacob's bed and he's got four wives. In the days of wheat harvest and a lot of children, I haven't been counting, but if anyone's been counting, I think we're up round about probably nine or something like that. Anyway, in the days of wheat harvest, Reuben, that's one of Leah's, that's Leah's oldest son, went out and found mandrakes in the field. Funny story, mandrakes, what's a mandrake? Well, it's a kind of root vegetable that, <coughs> like, like a kind of long parsnip or something that grows in the ground and you pull it up and the root is it's supposed to scream as you pull it up. Yeah. Anyway, I've never seen a mandrake, never pulled one up. Can't tell you for sure if it really does scream. Anyway, it supposedly screams when you pull it up, but the root, if you chop it up and eat it, is supposed to be not just an aphrodisiac, but a fertility medicine. So they believe that if they eat this man, so these mandrakes were highly valuable in this household of infertility and oh, pressure. So, right, bear in mind, only one of the four is um, at the moment infertile. And so Rachel, the infertile one, so Reuben brought these mandrakes to his mother, Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you also take my husband? Listen to this language. This is turbocharged. This is oh, this is stressful. So you so she sees Rachel as her competitor rather than the rightful wife. And she just got in on she's a gate crasher to the party because she oh gosh but she's like resentful of Rachel because Rachel is the legitimate kind of first choice I guess and so she says is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband would you also take away my son's mandrakes also no you're not having my mandrakes and Rachel said then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes There isn't anything we can say, is there? This is just nuts. And so she's she's peddling her husband's kind of favours and giving her sister. So Rachel seems to be wife number one, although technically she's wife number two. She seems to be giving her sister permission to sleep with her husband that night in return for her having the mandrakes so she can cook them up or, or eat them raw and gnaw on them or whatever you do. And she's going to get these mandrakes on board so that she can become fertile. And so she says, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Then when Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, you must come in with me for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. This is all wrong. I'm sorry, this is all completely wrong. She's buying sex from her husband with mandrakes. I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. I'm just reading you the story and we're kind of realising that not everybody 
in the line leading up to Jesus is perfect and spotless. And Jacob, the patriarch of Israel, whose name becomes changed to Israel, incidentally, <laughs> down the road, he's a mess in lots of ways. And yet in other ways, he's exemplary. We're going to get to the exemplary bit in a minute. <laughs> so, the moment we're dealing with his domestic calamity. And uh, so he lay with her that night. So he didn't seem to need much persuasion. I don't know. I would imagine that it got to a point with four of them fighting it out that he just thought, I'm going to just uh, get what's coming to me, I guess. And Jacob listened. Uh, so, sorry, beg your pardon. So he lay with her that night and God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. So she's now in on top of the leaderboard. She's got five. The other two servants have got two, Rachel, nil. Um, Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she is concocting a kind of theology based on <laughs> what she sees happening. And her theology has gone right up the spout along with everything else. Good morning, Chris and Ruth, and good morning, Nikki. Good to see you. And so, oh my. So, um, there. anyway, here we go. So the fact that they invoke the name of God, incidentally, just to say this is a little bit of kind of teaching help. When she says God has done this or God has done that, when these people say God has done this, it's not always necessarily God who's done it in quite the way they might have thought or for quite the reasons they may have thought. So uh, anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Verse eight, uh, 19 and Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. And, Je and Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honour me because I have borne him six sons. I mean, that's impressive anyway, isn't it? Um, so she called his name Zebulun. Um, I'm guessing it means endowment. Uh, now, where are we at the bottom here? Yeah, no, Zebulun sounds like the Hebrew for honour. There you go. So afterwards, she bore him a daughter and called her name Dinah. Right, so far it's all boys, isn't it? Unless they had girls and didn't tell us. But here we have a girl called Dinah who does have a little bit of a story of her own, which will come up in due course. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her. Oh, Rachel. Oh, hello. God remembered Rachel. There we go. Interesting. And God listened to her and opened her womb. Why did God hold out on Rachel for that amount of time? Who knows? Um, and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name, wait for it, Joseph saying, may the Lord add to me another son. So she's very happy with Joseph, but, but Joseph means may he add. So even in the naming of him, she's not happy. She's got what she wanted, but she still hasn't got what she wanted. She's got this son, but now she wants another. So she said, well, God's taken away my reproach, which is really good. I'm happy about that. I'm going to say thank you for that, but I still want another son. And so may the Lord add to me another son. Verse 25, as soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away. Right, here we go. 
I've done all the hard work. I've married all your daughters. I've done everything, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go. For you know the service I've given to you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favour in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Right. <laughs> OK, let's just think a little bit about that in a second. Name your wages and I will give it. And Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came in. It has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Right now, Jacob understood something. He didn't understand anything about marriage or family life, but he did understand something about God's blessing. And he knew that God's blessing, the God who had met him at Bethel, that place with the ladder and everything, going up into heaven and the anointed rock and all that. He knew that that God had met with him and made him great and glorious promises that were the same as he'd made to Abraham and to his father Isaac. And so now they were his and he knew that God's favour was on his life in a special way. So God has actually blessed him in an in a incredible way in terms of having children. He's got, uh, he's got 11 now, I think. And this tribe is kind of multiplying around him. No, he's got 12, we count Dinah. And uh, so this tribe is multiplying around him. But Laban's flocks and herds have multiplied and increased incredibly since Jacob's been the head shepherd. And Je Laban has gone and worked this out by divination. Well, I don't suppose he needed to use much magic or divination to that's kind of a way of finding out things by consulting the occult world. And, and so Laban has done something strictly illegal in the Bible. He's gone to the occult world to find out an answer to a question. Not necessary. Number one, he could have just looked around him and seen what God had done. The evidence was there in front of him. He had become very, very prosperous because of Jacob, but also he could have asked God himself, couldn't he? And said, God, is this you doing this to Jacob or what? And But he's worked it out that God has blessed him through Jacob. And so now he's saying, right, what wages do you want? Um, and so he's kind of delaying Isaac, um, Jacob, rather. He's saying, like, let's stick around a bit longer and earn some more cash. And you can then go. But, all oh right, good, Johnny. Divination can also be translated, I have observed the signs. Well done, Johnny. So that's helpful. So he's looked at what he sees around him, basically, and he can see that God's done it. And he said, uh, "So, but this is Jacob's understanding is God has blessed you because of me. Everywhere I've turned, you've been blessed. Right, let's press on, because this is, we've got to get to the, well, we haven't got to, but it's really an important chapter. He says, but now when shall I provide my for my own household also? And he said, what shall I give you? Jacob asked. He said, you have not given me, you shall not give me anything. So Jacob's saying, don't give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. 
So my honesty shall answer for me later when you come to look at my wages with you. So he's saying, listen, don't pay me anything. Let me go through the flock and have every animal that has got a pattern on it. Like rather than being black or white or brown, it's speckledy. And I'll have them. And so he says, I'll go through. And then it's easy, isn't it? We're, there's nothing to quarrel about because we can see which is which. And so everyone that's not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good, let it be as you have said. But that day, listen to the twisty, twisty Laban going on here. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it and every lamb that was black and put them in charge of his son. So he literally goes through the whole flock and takes the whole speckled bunch, anyone with any hint of speckliness, and gives them to his sons, right? Listen to this. So they're gone. Jacob's wages have been given to his sons already. So good. Sorry about that, Jacob. There aren't any speckled ones. What a surprise. Look, go and have a look for yourself. There aren't any speckled ones, but you can have any that are next, you know, that are born speckledy. So we're starting from zero. He's just been robbed. Oh my. And verse 36 says, and he set a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob and Jacob pastured the rest of Laban's flock. So Jacob doesn't seem to complain. He accepts it, sucks it up and thinks I've been out twisted again. My goodness me. And then he puts, he takes these flocks three miles away. So there's no chance of Jacob sneaking a speckledy ram into the herd and saying, right, get going, fella. Uh, <clears throat> verse seven, 37 then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them so any boy who's ever had a pocket knife or girl I'm sorry being sexist anyone who's ever had a pocket knife will know if you peel a stick when the bark comes off it leaves a white strip and so he did this he got some sticks and he peeled the bark off kind of patchily and that so they were stripy and exposing the white of the sticks. Verse 38, he set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs. Bear in mind, he's only got black and white and brown sheeps, sheep and goats now. And he puts these sticks in front of the troughs. That is the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks so that the flocks brought forth striped and speckled and spotted. Now, there is no biological reason why that should happen, except what's going on here is that Jacob is given his faith something to hook onto. And he sees these sticks and he's blessing these sheep. He's saying, come on, you're going to produce stripey like that stick. And so every time the rams and the billy goats get going with the flock, they're doing it in front of these sticks. I don't think the billy goat is thinking, stripey kids, stripey kids, stripey kids. I think he's just doing what he does, energetically, no doubt. And uh, then the result is amazing. And the flocks brought forth striped, speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of all the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. So now he's got some breeding stock 
he's separating the billy goats and stuff that are plain colored and he's getting the rams and billy goats going with the the stripy ones that he's now got to his to his own name so this is obviously going on over a couple of years or two or three years and <coughs> he's starting to get some generations born to these stripy animals and so also he would put the stronger ones with the the stripy the stripy billy goats so whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding so he sorry hold on verse 40 jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the in the flock of laban he put his own droves apart and did not put them with laban's flock whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding jacob would lay the sticks in front of the troughs before the eyes of the flocks that they might breed among the sticks but for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female servants and male servants, camels and donkeys. So Jacob is doing this kind of faith project. He's got his stripy sticks there, puts them by the troughs. The sheep come and breed and boy... They're having stripy babies, lambs and kids. And this is incredible. So then he takes those stripy billy goats and rams and puts them with the non-stripy sheep and they produce stripy children, obviously. And so then he makes sure that the ones he puts with them are the strong ones. So his are much stronger and healthier. And he's doing what we call selective breeding. So Jacob understood biology but he also had a faith project going on here as well. And I think we need to understand something, that God's favour is on Jacob. That's why it's working. But there is something about prosperity. And I think that's what makes the prosperity gospel so tempting. There is something about prosperity that indicates the favour of God. And Jacob understood it. Laban understood it. And they and Jacob deployed principles of faith that we now understand and we can think oh, I'm gonna do you know what I can see that that thing there I believe for I'm trusting God I believe that God has given me permission to have that or to possess that thing and it kind of we trigger our faith and we go to God and what so Faith is the evidence of things, hope, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When Jacob puts his stripy sticks there, they are the evidence of something he couldn't yet see. And yet he could see it by faith. And then God began to work the miracle. And so then it, the miracle was partnered up alongside Jacob's wisdom as a stock breeder and Jacob understood about selective breeding and he made sure that he <laughs> he developed a herd that he was going to own and it's just utterly incredible listen there's so much more we could say about that and I'm sure everyone's got their thoughts about it the <laughs> the marriage mess the faith project but what we need to understand here is that these guys didn't have the bible their stories are an adventure of people trying to work out what God's like, how God operates, 
and they they were just navigating by what they could see God doing and how they interpreted events wasn't always strictly accurate in terms of the nature of God but we do understand and we see the favor of God resting on Jacob and listen this is what I've been doing this morning I've been praying this stuff over my family over the church and I would encourage you to do the same I'd say right all the promises of God are yes in Jesus and amen in him right so these promises that God made to Abraham Isaac Jacob they're for you and for me, let's not get so picky about this, the narrative that we fall out with Jacob and miss the whole point. Rather, let's see what God was blessing and how God moved in his life and say, come on then, God. I'm no worse than Jacob. I have faith that because of Jesus, these promises that he was able to get hold of apply to me and my family and my church and my business and extrapolate outwards have an amazing day god bless you and don't forget we're at the school today holy trinity school at four o'clock and we're gonna do christmas yeah 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 see you there hopefully god bless you i am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book the christing it's a whole adventure of digging deep into the bible old testament new testament exploring stories that may be familiar to us but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the holy spirit is there on every single page and my desire as i share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. And, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.